Welcome to the Rom-Com Rewind Podcast. Hi, I'm Sarah. And I'm Devin. And like you, I love rewatching movies over and over again. You made it here. You love romantic comedies. We do as well. So this is a show where we rewatch rom-coms, break them down a bit for you, maybe take a peek behind the curtain, dig beneath the surface, and decide, does it still hold up? Today, the much-requested Sweet, Sweet Home, Home Alabama. Alabama. And wherever you're listening, make sure you throw us a follow, subscribe. If you ever want to, you know, become more of a friend of the pod, join the RCR fam. You can do that on our Instagram account, at Romcom Rewind. We also have TikTok. You can literally ask us any question on there, and Sarah will respond to 100% of those questions. Um, and we also just love to hear from you and learn a little bit more about you. Sweet Home Alabama, directed by Andy Tennant. You know Andy Tennant directed It Takes Two, Fool's Gold, Hitch, The Bounty Hunter, this is the story of Melanie Carmichael, or Me- Melanie Smooter? Smooter. Played by Reese Witherspoon. We first meet Melanie as a 10-year-old with her first ever love, Jake Perry, played by Josh Lucas. We meet them in the fictional town of Pigeon Creek, Alabama. And then after a quick you know, meeting uh, scene, we jump forward in time to present day, where Melanie is now a famous fashion designer. She's dating New York political socialite, is what I'll call him. Andrew, played by Patrick Dempsey. Uh, Because Andrew's mother, Kate, is actually the mayor of New York City, and she's grooming Andrew to be a politician, much to his chagrin kind of thing. Uh, She's played by Candace Bergen. After Andrew proposes to Melanie, though, we learn that she's not gone back to her hometown in Alabama in seven years, and now that she is engaged, she needs to make her way back to Pigeon Creek to, let's say, tie up some loose ends, specifically one important one pertaining to her um, one true love, Jake Perry which we'll talk about later. What are your thoughts on Sweet Home Alabama? Melanie Carmichael has it all. Seven years ago, you were this scared little thing from Alabama, and now you're my steel magnolia. She's the hottest designer in the fashion world. She's dating the son of New York's mayor, and she's about to get... Where are we? The proposal of her dreams. But before she can tie the knot... I'm in Alabama. She needs to tie up one loose end. Get your stubborn self down here and give me a divorce. As I live and struggle for breath. This was a fun Reese Witherspoon movie. (laughs) I liked this one a lot. I I think I've seen this one, but I'm not 100% sure... If, if I did, it was when it first came out, so I can't say that I actually remembered it, which was fantastic because it was, like, all new to me again. It's fun. It's really cute. It's wholesome. I loved it. I really <laughs> enjoyed this movie. I thought Reese Witherspoon's character was very well played, well, very well done. I actually really enjoyed her in this in this movie. Um, Josh Lucas was great, hot, you know. What more could you want from him? And I loved, I loved it. It was great. This is an interesting one. Um, I agree with everything you said. It's fun. It's a really good movie. A lot of you, the RCR fam, have reached out to talk about this film, how this is one of your all-time favorites, and it puts a little bit of pressure on. <laughs> and I'll be honest, I, I don't want to deter anybody, but I thought this was a really good movie. Here's how I felt about it. I didn't, like, it didn't blow my socks off, but at what? the same time, yeah, I know. I'm surprised. Like, listen, I, it was very pleasing to watch. I was engaged the whole time. I was enjoying myself. There was no weep warning. 
I didn't cry. Oh, I did. I, really? When yeah. did you weep? Um, well, no, 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 okay. no. That'll be a tease. We'll all talk right, about it. All right. Well, what I'm saying is that like, there's nothing bad about this movie. If you're like, what's one thing you would change? Honestly, nothing. Like, it was really, really good. Like, honestly, this is. I think anybody could pick up this film, watch it, and especially, you know what? It's funny when I go back and look at other Reese Witherspoon movies. Obviously, Legally Blonde is way up at the top, but like, sure. is this better than? Just like heaven. Yes. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Is it better than four Christmases? Yeah, totally. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. The, like yeah. it is. Kind of, this means war. Reese Witherspoon. Yeah. Yes. This is better than this that. Is. Like it's still, it's one of those films that like sitting back and watching it, I enjoyed the whole thing. But then when you go through and look at other films, you're like, yeah, you know what? This is, this is actually like better than a lot of other stuff. And it's kind of sneaky. It kind of flew in under the radar. It was, it was just a fun, good watch. I think this, like, this movie has no lulls to it. No, it doesn't. I, I was, like you mentioned, thoroughly entertained the entire time. And that's a good movie. I never questioned, oh my gosh, this movie is so long. Or, oh, it could have done without, you know, 10 or 20 minutes. No, this was a wonderful movie. Nothing I'm wrong with so this. I'm so surprised. You're just like, meh. No, I'm, whoa, Are you more whoa. than meh? Don't put words into my mouth. I very <laughs> much enjoyed it. But like, this is on some people's lists of like top three movies of all time. Well, I think it's up there for me too. Like, okay. I, I quite enjoyed it. Not top three, but I liked it. Okay. That's cool. Well, let's dive right in. All right. So the movie starts with two little kids running down a beach and the boy asks the little girl to marry him. And she says, no. Then the lightning <laughs> strikes and they go to see what, what the lightning strike has left behind in the sand. And he says... Don't worry, I will be will be safe here because the lightning doesn't strike twice in the same place. And she asks him, why do you want to marry me? And he says so he can kiss her anytime he wants. So cute. I just realized mm -hmm. that that mm -hmm. is foreshadowing the entire I, plot of the film. Absolutely it okay. is. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> okay, and we'll get I'm to that. I'm glad you we'll, figured that out. <laughs> I just forgot. It happened in the first two minutes. I kind of forgot about yeah, it by the end. They share a kiss and lightning strikes Right where they are again. So much for being safe, which I feel would definitely kill them. But, you know. I yeah, mean, they kind of glossed over it. Like, I thought there would at least be superpowers. In fact, super well, like <laughs> sweet home Alabama, the superhero. <laughs> I was thinking like Age of Adeline, like maybe something oh happens my to her. God. Well, because the next scene That's we see, so funny. we see Melanie waking up in a, a lightning storm. In New York City this time. And right. I thought maybe she had just like transported herself right to that moment or like maybe, well, maybe there was it was like, like a freaky, not a, a freaky Friday, but like they like fast forward into like what would have been. Okay. Stop acting like I'm crazy. She was in a movie called Just Like Heaven where yeah, she died I know. or she was in a coma. I'm not making fun of you. Okay, I'm saying I'm that actually saying. could have been a, the plot. Yes. It could have like transported them 20 years or 30 years in advance yeah. to see what life would have been if yes. she would have made the choice to New York or... In Alabama. Thank you. That's that's what I'm talking about, uh, Sarah. I just read your mind. Well, I feel like you came off the top and like the stupid the no, superhero. No, no. Come on. Well, the superhero <laughs> thing, yeah. Like they're not saving the world. Reese Witherspoon could be a freaking. They're just ageless. Okay? Anyway, turns out she's sleeping and wakes from a dream at work. And she is a designer, a clothing design designer, a fashion designer. But we're going to find out that when she gets home, there are rose petals all around the apartment. And she has a boyfriend. Named Patrick a Dempsey. Named oh, I was Andrew, like, named sorry. Andrew. <laughs> Played by Patrick Dempsey. <laughs> Who, by the way, was not yet 
Dr. Shepard wow. in Grey's Anatomy. I find anything with Patrick Dempsey is like via the timeline <laughs> of, well, when was it in relation to Grey's Anatomy? Grey's Anatomy began in 05. Yeah. This film came out in 02. So it we did. did not yet know Dr. Shepard yet. Also, by the way, if you ever want a Wikipedia, Patrick Dempsey, it's the most frustrating thing to get any info because I don't know if you're aware, Sarah, he's also a pro race car driver. What? Patrick Dempsey. Not like our Patrick Dempsey. What do you mean our Pat? We don't own Patrick Dempsey, but there's no, only but one patch. The guy in this movie also races cars. What? He's raced the 24 hours in Le Mans four times. That's wild. He's a race car driver? Yeah, I mean, part of it was him owning his own company with another company. So oh, like okay. he funds the company that he also drives the car. I mean, in, I feel like that would be a really good two truths and a lie because <laughs> like, <laughs> like I'm a super successful actor. I'm a race car driver. And what's your third one? Because that would have to be a lie. No one's going to believe that your third thing is a lie. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> right? <laughs> that's really like, true. Either a race car driver or a successful actor's got to be a lie. <laughs> like, come on. Oh my goodness. Anyway, so it's the day of her show. Her show goes super well. And her boyfriend after calls her and tells her that they have a gala to go to tonight with his mother, who we find out is the mayor of New York. So she gets all dressed up. And when she gets to the place where the driver has taken her, the driver takes her into the building, pretending that Andrew's meeting ran late. And instead, he is there waiting for her to take her into a dark room. And it is a Tiffany's jewelry store. And she is to pick out her engagement ring. He asks her to marry her. And she, of course, says yes. Question. As a uh, person who has been engaged to, how would you like <laughs> that engagement? Like, I feel like it was kind of awkward. We're like, we're in this. There's like 10 employees watching the engagement. <laughs> and then once you say yes, it's like, okay. And now pick a ring. And they all just like, I mean, grab a I, shit ton of rings. I think it's like, pretty cool that she gets to pick her engagement ring. That is a Tiffany's engagement ring. Like, that's hella cool. See, I like the idea of picking the but isn't it awkward? Like you're getting proposed to and there's just a bunch of employees being like, like, I mean, I think it's like on the intimate level of like just the two of you. I think that's like, it's like on the lower scale, but like, like of an, of getting someplace to get engaged. But I think the fact that you can go shopping with your significant other for the engagement ring, like clearly price, it was oh no issue. God. Clearly price was no issue. <laughs> I'm asking Sarah this like I mean, question. I love my engagement ring, so that's fine. She's just like, but I just like the choice. I'm glad that I would be able to choose the ring. No, 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 ring. no, no, no. The choice is that it's a Tiffany's engagement ring. Those are real expensive. Like, I'm just saying like clearly price was no option mm. or yeah, like crazy. We do find out that Melanie hasn't been to see her parents in seven years and Andrew has yet to meet them. She doesn't want to call them just yet about the engagement. So asks Andrew if they can kind of keep it on the down low for now. Does not go well. No, because when they get to this gala that Andrew's mother's hosting, uh, Melanie and the mother start talking and in front of everyone, she's holding her hand and feels the engagement ring and announces it very loudly that there is a big engagement ring on her finger. Melanie forgot to take the ring off after agreeing we're going to keep this quiet. So. Correct. So after the gala and, and everything is said and done, we see Melanie heading home to Alabama to see her folks. She pulls up to a house that is charming. and We see a prop float plane in the water and we see a uh, we see a beat up old pickup truck out front and we see we see a dog a, a dog and a man come outside when the dog starts barking a could that be Jake played by Josh Lucas 
And she asks him, can you come down here and sign the divorce papers? She's already married to this guy, Jake. But he won't sign the papers and doesn't want to sign those papers. Jake! You dumb, stubborn, redneck hick! The only reason you won't sign these papers is because I want you to! Wrong! The only reason I ain't signing is because you've turned into some hoity-toity Yankee bitch! And I'd like nothing better right now than to piss you off! So on the other side, back in New York, the mayor has her people digging into Melanie, but they can't find anything on a Melanie Carmichael. So back at, in Alabama, Jake called the sheriff, who turns out to be their very good old friend, and Melanie convinces the sheriff that there's nothing wrong, more of just an argument between a married couple. And then Jake throws an old warrant in for, I don't know, some tractor in the water, and Melanie is booked, and so she has to call her parents to come and get her. And this still, her parents don't know that she's actually home. She was hoping to just get get Jake to sign the papers, and she could fly back to New York City and... No one be the wiser. At home, she's not really tight with her parents. She holds a grudge because her parents don't come to visit her in New York. And of course, we know that she hasn't been home in seven years. And it seems like her mom is not happy with her being in New York. But at the same time is she's happy she left Alabama and kind of is making her own. um, But she's not happy about her having been married to Jake and that still being a mess. So Melanie takes out the ring and says she's happy. And she found somebody who makes her happy in New York. We also meet Bobby Ray, who's one of their old friends, and she runs into him on the street uh, on her way to the bank because he has uh, because she has to go to the bank and she sees somebody at the bank who she used to know when they were younger. And she says, oh, I hear you and Jake are still married. Would you like to take money out of your joint account with him since, you know, you're still married? And she goes, oh, oh, absolutely. Give me all that money. Thinking this is this is how I'm going to get Jake to sign those papers. So he gets home from work and she's ordered a new fridge, oven, couches, basically everything new. He realizes that she took his money and that she took out all of it from the bank. She says, you know what, I'll give it all back if you sign the papers. And at first he says, "Okay, fine. And then says something about her boyfriend, which she he says something about her boyfriend, which she's surprised that he knows that she has a boyfriend back in New York. And then he decides last minute he's not going to sign the papers. So Melanie heads to the local bar and visits Jake's mom. I think Jake, Jake's mom must own it. And to bug Jake, because he's also there on a hot date with a girl named Star. She tries to continue to convince him to divorce her and sign the papers. But they all end up playing poker. It ends up being Mel versus Jake. And she ends up telling everyone's secrets. She kind of gets too drunk and divulges all of each other's secrets to everybody. And, you know outs Bobby Ray that he's gay and that Jake got Mel pregnant when they were younger and then Jake ends up dragging Mel out and driving her home but still didn't sign the papers um and at this point in the film it's funny Reese Witherspoon she does a great job acting she is from hold on she is from New Orleans she's from New Orleans Mm -hmm. she puts on this accent very quickly and I think very well as somebody who doesn't know a Southern accent very well. Yeah. I, I hear her in these scenes, especially when she's had a couple beverages in her. And I'm like, hey, <laughs> she's, she's doing it. Everybody in this film in Alabama, there are different points where they'll like throw very odd and specific Southern sayings out there right. that, yeah, yeah. that for people who are unfamiliar, it's just like, what in the <laughs> world? What did he say? What is that? I have for you, Ooh. Sarah, best 
weirdest, <laughs> oddly specific Southern sayings. Okay. So all of these sayings are pertaining to the same thing, all popular in the South. Um, she has a duck. <laughs> she has a dying <laughs> duck fit. Okay, I'm thinking that it's somebody who like ready to like explode. Like oh. pressure has happened, uh. and she's like, she's had it. She's gonna explode. <laughs> you're, you're close. Okay. okay, these are also the same thing. She's pitching a hissy fit with a tail on it. <laughs> oh, it's like it's like pin the tail on the donkey. Uh, no. Okay. <laughs> No, no, but I mean, like it's like it like with a tail. So she's yeah, she's having like a total meltdown. Yes, yes, yeah. Okay. They're, they're angry. This You're person's right. angry. Yeah. You can also say he's got a burr in his saddle. His knickers are in a knot. <laughs> oh, I've heard knickers in the knot. So I hey, guess, knickers in a knot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That that one's common. <laughs> I guess in the south, it's you, you don't have a hissy fit. You pitch a hissy fit. Okay, that's like pitch that's a hissy thing. fit. I like that. That's funny. <laughs> um. Okay. So these okay. also. All mean the same thing. Okay. <laughs> he's slicker. He's slicker and owl shit. Oh my god. Okay. He's smooth. Ah. Uh, okay. Okay. Uh, you, you're on the right track. <laughs> you're lower than a snake's belly in a wagon rut. You're lower than a, a what? Say that again. Lower than a snake's belly in a wagon rut. <laughs> <laughs> lower than a snake's belly in a wagon rut. So like you're you're having a hard time. She's no? meaner than a wet panther. <laughs> uh, something about being like really smooth. Uh, so it's all it's all just uh, regarding somebody <laughs> who is of bad character. No, it's all way. just like you're not okay, like like he's a snake in the grass. I right. feel like that's that's something that's a little bit more worthless as gum on a boot heel. That's another. One oh, that's a good one. I feel like if you said that one, I would have like yeah. Oh, okay. So these also all pertain to the same thing. So why don't you try to guess what a saying would be when a Southerner is busy, when you're like doing a lot of stuff. Busy as a bee? I That's like a very common, like, worldly. Oh, okay. Sorry. It needs to be, I don't. See, a Southerner would say she's busier than a cat covering crap on a marble floor. <laughs> <laughs> how does that happen <laughs> there's a lot of elements to that yeah i was too. just trying to say oh so not as simple as like a busy as a bee it's like busy as a bee chasing a cat chasing a blah 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 <laughs> on it on a slippery marble floor or how about this i'm as busy as a one-legged cat in a sandbox <laughs> oh because it's so hard to get out of the sand oh you're wait yeah <laughs> like it takes I guess. a lot of time wow that's that's darker than i thought <laughs> <laughs> oh man <laughs> busier than a moth in a mitten that's kind of funny actually busier than a moth in a mitten because it's trying to get out <laughs> oh no 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 because it's trying to eat it maybe oh maybe i don't know i don't know we need we need like a dedicated <laughs> southerner to help like us explain these yeah um <laughs> how, okay so how would you describe being um cheap they have lots of elements to them is um, the thing that really can't, cracks me Can't up. find a nickel in the bottom of a couch. Oh, how about, you know what? There is one about good. money, Sarah. He squeezes a quarter so tight the eagle screams. Because <laughs> I get it's oh, what's on the money, God. right? Uh, or he's so cheap he oh. wouldn't give a nickel to see Jesus riding a bicycle. 
Wow. <laughs> like so specific. So specific. It's so specific. It's almost like they should just include the time of day this occurs too. <laughs> Seriously. <laughs> you know? Like, I want to know, are these, do people actually say these? We I have don't know. no concept. I, I think they probably, they probably should because these are great. Uh, he's tighter than a bull's ass at fly time. That's fun. <laughs> um, oh, this is good. What would you say if you're dressed too scantily? Like, what what would somebody say about a girl who's dressed? Oh God, too I don't even want to guess. I don't even know. Those pants were so tight, I could see her religion. Oh my <laughs> God, that's awful. See, I'm glad I didn't guess. <laughs> her pants are so tight that if she farts, it'll blow her boots off. Because <laughs> <laughs> there's nowhere for it to go. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> oh, shit. And the last one I'm going to say, just because I find this one so funny, if you're confused in the South, apparently they might say, he doesn't know whether to check his ass or scratch his watch. <laughs> oh, that's funny. I like that one. That one is good. Yeah, that one. I actually really like that one. I just looked these up. So maybe if you're from the South, you can corroborate if these are yeah. common sayings or at least a few of them. I don't know if it's geographical, depending on where I you are. I love it. Yeah. So when Melanie wakes up the next morning, Jake has, in fact, finally signed the papers. He's given up and said, fine, I'm going to sign them. Just leave town. So it turns out that Jake is selling his house and leaving Greenville. He kind of hints to Melanie that, oh, you know what? I'm going to keep all this stuff. Don't worry about giving me the money back. I like what you did, though. The house should help it sell quicker. Are you moving? Well... I've been spending a lot of my time up around Tuscaloosa, so... So she's a little bit perplexed. He's also getting ready to take the plane out and asks if he want, if she wants to come with him, but she declines and instead goes to mail the papers that he signed and then goes to apologize to uh, Bobby Ray. Just as she leaves, a reporter, I mean, it's somebody who works for the mayor and we know that, comes to do a piece on her and she freaks out and plays it off that the house that she's currently in, called the Carmichael House is is her actual family home and gets Bobby Ray to lie for her and be her cousin. She then heads to the Catfish Festival um, that the city's throwing, or the town is throwing, and she apologizes to all her friends. And the one friend um, that has all of the, the children tells Mel that Jake actually went up to New York City a year after she left. So six years ago, he had gone up. And she tells Mel that Jake realizes he... He needed more than an apology to win her back. He needed to make something and conquer the world first. He needed to make something of himself and conquer the world first. And he's been trying ever since. Mel realizes that that's why he was always sending the papers back because he was trying to be enough for her and to try to win her back. So at the festival, Mel wants to talk to Jake, but he blows her off. And instead, he sees her later on at the Coon Dog Cemetery and Jake meets her there and they talk quickly about how things are so complicated and how she loves New York but she also loves Alabama and she's split between the two they talk about her pregnancy and um, she realizes that after what happened between the two of them she needed a different life and he does tell her that he's proud of her and then they kiss and then they kind of break apart and he says you know what you just need to go home and so she says, okay, um, she decides I'm going to go home to New York. As she's leaving, her mom is telling her that she needs to stay away and Jake is quicksand and that she doesn't want Mel to end up like her and says, you know, this guy who you're marrying in New York can give you a life that we, that you would never get here. 
Before she leaves, she wants to go and say goodbye to her dad. And so he's at the battlefield because it's tourist season and they do reenactments of the um, of, of battles and between the, the north and the south. And the battlefield scene is hilarious. This scene was almost my best scene because I thought it was hilarious when she goes and she's yelling, daddy, daddy, daddy. And this one man who is already supposed to be dead pops up and says, who are you looking for? And she says, oh, I'm looking for my dad, blah, blah, blah. And he gets all of them to like rise back from the dead and asks, oh, where's so-and-so? And they point her in the right direction. I just thought it was so funny. Oh my God. I loved it. So Mel's fiance, Andrew shows up in Alabama and Jake is also at the Carmichael house. And I mean, which is like where Bobby Ray is. They play it off as her cousins. So Bobby Ray and Jake play it off as Mel's cousins. And Jake takes him to the battlefield to see Mel. This is my best scene on the way to the battlefield. Jake tells Andrew a story about how Mel blew up a bank at the age of 10 with a cat that had dynamite strapped to its back. This was my best scene. This entire story of how this 10-year-old little girl couldn't see a cat being put down at the vet, so she strapped dynamite to it instead from a construction site, sent it into it so that it would die a more humane way, but then it got it escaped and went into a bank and blew up the bank. Way more humane to <laughs> like, blow a cat up. What? And the funny thing is the cat didn't even get blown up. It's still alive. It's got a little bit of like an old wives tale mystique totally. to it because the cat was was like um, going to pass away anyway. I think it had cancer, right? Yeah. So that yeah. was the, so it's now kind of like a, oh, people say they still see that cat <laughs> around to this day, you know? And then we do see the cat at the end of the movie. Yes, we do. Yeah. Allegedly. Maybe, yeah. Yeah. Maybe it's all maybe just Maybe it's just out. the ghost of the knows, cat. I don't know. Who knows? So they get to the battlefield and Mel comes clean to Andrew about how Jake is actually her husband and Andrew leaves. But when her dad gets home at the end of the day, he brings Andrew in with him. Andrew tells her that if there's still room in her future for him, he'd like to marry her. And she asks if the wedding can be in Alabama and he agrees. And before we keep going, so you mentioned Melanie's dad, huge throughout the film into uh, Civil War reenactments. In right. fact, there are so many people in this film who, you know, have some kind of, you know, they're either wearing the outfit or they're part of the thing. Or when she was uh, at Bobby Ray's house, they're blowing up anvils. And that was like a part of their part of the war or whatever. Um, I have for you, Sarah, some of the strangest. <laughs> these actually happen in real life. Unexpected historic reenactment Groups. Oh my goodness. Like groups throughout the world who put on similar things to this. Okay. Like, for example, the Screaming Eagles of Hungary. So oh. there's a group of, I guess, expats living in Budapest in Hungary, and they do reenactments for an American parachute infantry <laughs> division what? In, from World War II. And they do like. Oh my God. They do like parachuting, I guess, in Seriously? Budapest. Oh, that's not even nearly weird enough, Sarah. The Roman Empire has reenactments that happen in no. Italy, obviously, but also France, Great oh Britain, and God. Germany, as well as smaller contingents in Mexico, Canada, and what? Brazil, where they just, I guess, they have like Roman battles. Oh my God, my eyes are so big right now. Mm. I can't even believe it. Are you kidding me? They reenact the Roman Empire? That was so long ago. Oh, Sarah, it gets better. This title says the Civil War goes European. Oh no. 
No. There's a group in Italy, and I guess there are a bunch of Americans who live there, who play the Confederate 14th Louisiana Infantry, and there are a bunch of people who they get to be I like can't. Britain, at, and they and they do Civil War reenactments in Italy. Oh guys. my god! No. <laughs> oh, so, you're kidding me. It gets weirder. Um. How about Vikings in <laughs> South America? <laughs> <laughs> This I don't know. Real. Did they ever make it down that far? No, okay. they did not. But in Argentina, there is a group who does Viking reenactments. Just in case you couldn't make it up there, you know, yes, to see yes. them. And the all-time strangest one is, um, <laughs> this is hard to explain, but it's, so remember back in the early 90s, there was Yugoslavia and there mm-hmm. was the breakup of that in yep. 91 yep. with Serbs, Croatians, you know, all kinds of stuff. Mm-hmm. Um there are re- reenactments for that, even including UN peacekeepers and stage mock battles wow. that occurs in Japan. Oh. Yeah. I okay. guess there are a bunch of Japanese people who think Yugoslavia was really cool. And they're like, let's let's do reenactments of it. Right. So seeing all these guys super obsessed with Civil War reenactments, not that crazy, guys. There's, it's crazy to do it in Italy. That would be crazy. You know what they used to... so. I mean, we have several Gilmore Girls uh, fans on, who all, who listen to this podcast, and there were Civil War reenactments in the TV show Gilmore Girls. Really? Yes. There was like a small battle that happened, like, and I mean, very small. I don't think actually anything ac- like occurred. So they just yeah. stand out there, and it usually snows during that time of year as well. So they they always like, get brought hot chocolate or like hot drinks, and like none of them want it because they didn't have that. You know, they don't. They're trying. <laughs> don't give me the hot chocolate. Reenacting, like they don't need the hot. <laughs> this chocolate. is real world. Yeah. Shit. So like, <laughs> it's actually really funny. They make quite a few like quips about it. It's where where like is the town of Gilmore? Isn't uh, where is uh, it set? I feel like it's set like something Google can tell us. It's set in Stars Hollow, Connecticut. Oh, Connecticut! Yes, that's very sorry, far Connecticut, north. Connecticut, yes. What? Nothing. Okay, I don't. But that's what if- I'm saying. Like, I don't really know. Like, that's what I mean. Like, I mean, it's a very small battle, but I don't think it's actually a battle. Like, they just stood there, <laughs> kind of thing. You know. That's the way they've they've placed it in the, the TV show. <laughs> I yeah. love it. Mm-hmm. That's too funny. Yeah. Yeah. So we're now at the point where the wedding's going ahead in Alabama with Andrew. Dun, dun, dun. Yeah. So Melanie is back in New York and she keeps trying to call Jake, but he won't answer. He really wants to talk to her. We don't really get to know like what she wants to talk to him about. Maybe he, maybe she just wants to apologize. I'm not really sure. Jake wants none of it though. He's signed to the papers. He wants to move on. Everything's a hustle bustle for the wedding. And when she returns to Alabama, she comes with uh, two of her best friends and they see a glass blowing place and it's a sign in the airport and they head there it turns out that this is what jake has been working on for the seven years he owns this whole glass blowing business multi-aspect like multi-aspects to it too like there's like a patio with a restaurant and there's tours and it's all glass blown and shaped from lightning strikes on the beach which I think is really cute and kind of reminiscent of when they were really little and fell in love. She, he just loves this girl so much. Wait, was this your weep warning right here? I, you know what? It's like this part and like, f- like throughout it. I, I think there was two, two it, two weep warnings, and I meant to write them down, but I forgot. So, do you just think know. you wept right here? No. Oh, okay, you did. I don't yeah. think so. But this was really, it was really sweet. Do you find this film at times is a little bit reminiscent of The Notebook 
Yes, but I was also thinking maybe some hope floats too. Okay, or I thought about the great Gatsby because oh. Daisy and Jay Gatsby, they kind of go off on their own and then he realizes she is so much higher than him in terms of influence and all that, that he makes it his goal in life to right. gain all this wealth. But in the note, it feels a little bit closer to the notebook because he felt unworthy. So he's like, I'm going to build this whole business just like Noah builds that house the way that they had talked about back in the day, you know? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> just saying. It, it, it felt a little bit like a few pieces of things, but it also felt unique to this film, you know? Yeah, I agree. I think I think he definitely needed to make something of himself. But it's funny throughout the movie, you kind of get people almost saying it, but then everybody like gets nudged or like cut off, so they can't actually say what Jake's been doing the last seven years. And Mel is, and she she says it herself. She's selfish. She's being selfish and has been for the last few years. She doesn't even ask Jake what's he what he's been up to, like. He hasn't like remotely even, she's never brought it up to him. Hey, what have you been doing the last seven years? She doesn't care. So some man comes into a diner looking for Mel, but none of the locals help find her. His name is Wallace Buford. And as people are arriving for the wedding, he tries to get into the wedding, but is sent away. When Mel is getting ready with her mom on her wedding day, it's the wedding day, her mom tells her she's doing the right thing, that he can give her a life that she never dreamed of. But Mel isn't convinced that she's making the right decision. And to be honest, I didn't like this kind of verbiage from the mom because it's very like, oh, like, what can a man do for you? Like, he's going to give you a life. She's already a famous fashion designer. She's making her own life. She doesn't need Andrew to make her life more. And I think that's kind of the misconception that's happening with, like, the mom maybe. Like, oh, don't be like... Me, you know, your dad, you know, we're happy. But it's like Melanie's already done her own thing. She's super yeah. successful. She has a, a career. But I think her parents don't know anything about her because I don't think, one, I don't think Mel's let them into her life. But we see at the beginning of the movie, Mel actually gave her parents tickets, like flight tickets to come yeah. up and see her. And they also haven't made that a priority to go and see her up in New York to know and understand her life. So 100%. that is a big misconception as well, that her mom only knows what a man can do for them. Yeah. But in reality, you're right. Mel is already successful, but her parents wouldn't know that because they also don't know anything about her life and haven't made that move to go and see her in New York. And they feel secluded in their ways of they're, they're probably not paying attention to what's happening at fashion week in Paris, you know, no. like <laughs> that no. doesn't seem like what they're watching. Yeah, and who knows? They may not even realize how successful of a designer she really is, right? So once she kind of gets down to Alabama, I find she only mentions it once that she's a fashion designer. It's not really a big aspect of her life in Alabama, like at all whatsoever. Mm. So I found that a little bit interesting too. It's just kind of we've forgotten that she's a successful um, designer in New York. As Mel is walking down the aisle, that man Wallace comes running into the wedding yelling, Miss Carmichael, Miss Carmichael. Clearly, we as the audience know that there is a problem with the signed documents for divorce. It turns out that Melanie was the one that never signed the papers, but sent them in anyway. She is still, in fact, married to Jake. Dun, dun, dun. She realizes that she doesn't want to get married to Andrew. She tells Andrew that he doesn't want to marry her because she gave her heart away a long time ago and never really got it back. She's still in love with Jake. That's it? You're just gonna let her humiliate you with some bullshit about an old husband? Yeah. 
So Andrew lets her go, but his mother has choice words with both Melanie and her mother, Pearl. So much so that Melanie ends up punching the Andrew's mother in the face. And then she yells that she's going to find a groom and to, that her friends should stick around. Melanie runs to the beach and finds Jake there putting metal poles in to get the lightning to strike where they are so that he can probably get more glass. And she says, you owe me a dance and we're still hitched. And why didn't you ever tell me that you came to New York? And he says, I had to make something of myself. And she says, are you about done? This is my weep warning. <laughs> I just thought that the words were so sweet. Then he asks, why do you want to marry, be married to me anyhow? And she says, so I can kiss you anytime I want. Oh. And they kiss. So cute. Ah. Then they show up at the, at the bar and their friends and family have thrown them a reception and it ends with them dancing to Sweet Home Alabama. So cute. I really liked the ending. And you know me. I like good ending that has <laughs> resolution. And so we see little snapshots um, during the end credits. And we find out that the glass blowing business is both in Alabama and New York and that they've moved to New York City. They live in New York City with their little daughter. So cute and sweet and wholesome. And we've ended it. happily ever after. And really quick, so one of the funniest sayings, mm -hmm. back to Alabama sayings, yep. that happens near the end of this film is the dad when, oh, yeah. when Melanie is kind of conflicted between Andrew or Jake. <laughs> he says, and I quote, you can't ride two horses with one butt. Yeah. And I just thought like that's the silliest <laughs> saying. But it's like so true. So not only did I find, you know, common sayings from the South, I also found just worldly like weird sayings that people have like for example and and how about i say it mm -hmm. and you try to figure out either where it's from or what it even means because okay. some of them are very strange right. how about this one there's no cow on the ice what does that mean it's gotta be somewhere northern there's no cow on the ice yeah um there's no terrible skater on the ice uh no <laughs> oh okay what does it mean it's that so that's swedish and it's a way of saying like there's no reason to panic there's no cow <laughs> on the ice you know like the cows they're in the barn they're fine they're not on the ice oh god um <laughs> oh pulling an old cow out of the ditch what does that mean and where's it from picking somebody up when they've fallen uh that poor person you're describing them as an old cow <laughs> no <laughs> it's it's well, like yeah. bringing up an old argument oh like that's you're, smart you're pulling an old cow out of the ditch and that's from holland oh my god i know i'm so bad at these oh god gives nuts to the man with no teeth <laughs> what does that mean you're shit out of luck uh eh, not quite it's like um it's like an isn't an ironic thing and it's arabic it's like god gives nuts to the man with no teeth because he obviously yeah because yeah, he can't eat them chew them chew yeah. them yeah That's uh oh going where the czar goes on foot what does that mean and where's it from well it's russian it's russian yeah um i don't know what it means so i guess at one point the czar mm -hmm. was carried everywhere Except when going to the toilet. Oh that was the God. only place the czar would go on foot. So you're saying you're going to the toilet. <laughs> <laughs> oh, this one's good. Feeding the donkey sponge cake. Okay. Um, I'm going to say France? Uh, Portuguese. Portuguese. That would be describing giving special treatment to someone who doesn't need it because you're feeding the donkey <laughs> Something a sponge good. cake. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and the last one, just because I think I might use this in life, uh, live like a maggot on... <laughs> live like a maggot in bacon. Ew. What does that oh. mean? Where's it from? Yeah. Um, that's like living life to the fullest. Yes, you're right. Or just living living in yeah, a great state of I being. Yeah, because I mean, 
It's like a pig in mud, right? It's, it's a, like a pig in shit. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And that's that's German. I guess the Germans they they love their meat. <laughs> And saying live like a maggot and bacon is like, you're living life, buddy. (laughs) (laughs) And now it's time. The Rom-Com Rewind presents the Battle of Rom-Competence. We have Emily Ann on the line. Emily? Hi, it's Emily Ann. How are you? I'm great. I've got a question. If you're a longtime listener to the pod, you know your friend Devin loves... To pull off a horrible French oh accent, God. and I'm noticing the spelling of your name. Would it not be French, Emily? Well, it's yeah, I guess it is, but it was both of my grandmother's names squished together. Oh. So these two strong, vibrant women, neither of them got a middle name to get dropped. I love that. <laughs> that's such a that's such a pretty combination, though, Emily Ann. I like that. Yeah, that is. So my grandma Ann would call me Emily Ann, and my grandma Emily would call me Emily Ann. <laughs> <laughs> That's hilarious. <laughs> yeah, still trying to get it in there. <laughs> so funny. Um, so tell us about yourself. Who are you? Where are you? Whatever you feel comfortable sharing. Okay. Um, I'm Emily Ann. I'm a lot of fun. I own my own business. I do Facebook and Instagram ads, which is great. We're a military family. I've moved all over. I love it. Right now we're in Utah. I've got three boys, so I surround myself with beautiful men. That's amazing. <laughs> and what's uh, let, let's give your business a name drop. What's it called? Oh, that's great. It's A Million Clicks. It's a social media boutique, and it's how you would pronounce my name if you saw it in all caps. Oh, A Mill. Oh, my God. You get it? Cool. Yeah, ah, yeah, that's yeah. very clever. And yeah. the most important question we can ask, what is your favorite romantic comedy? Oh, my gosh. Okay, so my favorite movie of all time is... Um, practical magic and i was a little i had to tell myself that you didn't grow up listening to this and watching it as an 18 when you reviewed it but i still love you guys were we harsh about practical magic i can't remember i don't yeah yeah. It was like that was my teenage angst ones. Like um like mean girls, I was a full blown adult with children. Mm-kay. So watching that, I didn't really relate to it the same. So I just told myself, I'm like, they're watching this as adults, and I watched it at like 14 and yeah. was in love. It made my whole life, you know. The nostalgia factor is important. It when is. you go back and watch <laughs> things that you watched as a kid, it automatically rose colored glasses. Like this was amazing. Oh yeah. Um, yeah. I, I will say Practical Magic is a cult classic. It is. I, which I do think we mentioned in that movie. But looking back after having having reviewed the movie, I actually mm-hmm. really want to watch it this fall again. So I think oh. I might, you know, the tides are turning. I quite like the movie now. So I don't know. It's a really good movie to have like a great friend that's a female friend that you can relate to or connect to. Mm-hmm. And not having a sister, I guess I really attach to the whole idea. That you know, that's where that goes. Yeah, no, I like that. that. So the deal with this game, by the way, the battle of rom competence. By the way, my record is now three and one. I have sustained (laughs) one loss. Um, (laughs) Not undefeated anymore. So resoundingly, what what we heard from listeners of the podcast, you is that quick facts are so much fun, and you want an opportunity to kind of be more a part of the show and maybe test your your love for romantic comedy. So that is what we are doing here, Emily Ann. I am about to leave the studio. I'm going to walk away. Sarah will ask you three romantic comedy trivia questions. Answer those questions to the best of your ability. I will return to the studio. I'll answer the same questions, and then we will find out if ultimately you are more rom-com than your friend Devin. Does that sound fair? Okay, that's fair. 
that's exciting. Okay. All right. Well, I'm going to leave. Goodbye. Okay. Bye, Devin. Okay, right. bye. See you later. <laughs> He's just leaving, watching him walk out the door. All right. Are you ready for the battle of wrong competence? Yes. As ready as I'm going to be. Fantastic. There's 10 seconds on the board. And I will let you know as you're getting closer to zero. Okay. Okay. So we're going to do three questions. And mm-hmm. um, we will start with question number one. Finish the love actually quote. To me, you are dot, dot, dot. Oh, my gosh. To me, you are perfect. I don't know this movie very well. Yes, that is correct. Good oh, job. Good. Okay. <laughs> question number two. Which Shakespeare play is 10 Things I Hate About You based on? Oh my gosh, the Shakespeare play is the... Four seconds. One second. I don't know. Okay. No, that's okay. That's okay. You're out of time, but that's okay. No, I have it. Okay, I have those. That's okay. (laughs) I don't know if Devin will get that one either, so... (laughs) Third question. In the movie Legally Blonde, what is the name of Elle's Chihuahua? Bowser. 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 So close. No. I know. I'm sorry. So close, though. Okay. I I probably would have guessed Bowser as well. I'll call Devin it's back a in. B name. Come on in. How'd she do? She got, uh, well, I'll wait till you put your headphones back on. Here we go. Okay, I'm here. She got one out of three. One out of three. Okay, that's not a bad showing. That's not as awesome as I wanted to be, though. <laughs> well, we'll see how you know well what? I do because I might do worse than that. I was gonna say, and very close on the, on on one of the questions too. So, okay. yeah. Well, I, I'm excited. Let's hear them. All right. So again, Devin, you have ten questions on. Uh, sorry, ten seconds on the board. Yep. For three questions. Okay, perfect. Are you ready? I'm ready. All right. The first question. Finish the love actually quote. To me, you are dot dot dot. To me, you are everything. Incorrect. No. The word is perfect. And oh. Emily Ann got that one right. That's when he's you holding the stupid show. cue cards, right? Yeah. Oh, God. <laughs> Man. That's um that that's dude from Walking Dead, too, right? That's um Is it? Yeah, that's Him. the guy from The Walking that, Dead. That guy. Yeah, it's the guy, yeah. you know, the guy. guy with the face. <laughs> <laughs> I can't remember. What's question two? Rick. Rick. All right. Question number two. Which Shakespeare play is 10 Things I Hate About You based on? Oh, I know this one already. Okay. Oh, it's it's not multiple choice. Oh, my God. Uh, It's The Taming of the Shrew. (laughs) You are correct. Dude, there's like there's like 10 romantic comedies based on The Taming of the Shrew. If you don't know the answer, just guess Taming of the Shrew. I couldn't think of the word shrew. I was just thinking the taming. That's not it. It's some really weird, funky word. I would have given you half points. Okay, here we go. We're tied up. This is exciting. All right. Question number three. In the movie Legally Blonde, what is the name of Elle's Chihuahua? Uh, uh... Bru- uh, it's it's either Bru- Bruiser or Brewster. I'm going to say Bruiser. It is Bruiser. Yeah! Let's you, go! You, like I said, Emily Ann, you were very close. She said Bowser. Bowser. See, yeah. we all knew kind of the syllables, how it should yeah, sound. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah, it was a close one. Oh sure. my gosh. <laughs> that was a, You did <sighs> such a great showing, Emily Ann. That was awesome. <laughs> and that was so much fun. Absolutely. Hey, thank you so much for being on the pod, Emily Ann. 
This was great. I'm so excited. You made my week. Thanks so much. (laughs) Well, thank you so much for joining us. Hey, we'll talk soon. Bye. 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 Quick facts. The glass featured as Deep South Glass is actually hand-blown glass made by Simon Pierce, a Vermont company named after Simon Pierce who immigrated to to the U.S. from Waterford, Ireland. Jake's plane lands on Lake Peachtree in Peachtree City, Georgia. It's illegal to land a plane on Lake Peachtree, and the Peachtree City Police issued the production company a $300 ticket. This was the first film to shoot in New York City after the September 11, 2001 attack on the World Trade Center. The director said Jake's bloodhound was played by Baron. This dog, I swear to God, he said, would not sit and would not bark. I don't know any dog in the world that doesn't bark. But we couldn't pay this dog enough to do those barks. The barks in the scene were a miracle of production and were probably the only eight barks the dog ever did. Later, when the dog was lying on the couch, Tenant, the director, said it could barely even do that. Worst actor in the film. (laughs) Dakota Fanning had her first kiss while making this movie. She was seven years old. Charlize Theron was originally cast as Melanie Carmichael. Due to the actor's strike, she jumped to a ready-to-go movie, Trapped, in 2002. Reese Witherspoon was cast the same weekend that her previous film, Legally Blonde, from 2001, opened. Oak Hill, the real name of the house Melanie pretends belongs to her family, is about 45 minutes from the interstate and difficult to reach. To direct the cast and crew to the site, yellow signs saying SWA with arrows pointing out the correct route were put up. Some Barry College students stole these signs as souvenirs. The Coon Dog Cemetery in the film is a real place in Tuscumbia, Alabama. I don't know if I said that right and I'm sorry if I didn't. The northern Alabama town is the childhood home of Helen Keller, whose story was told in the movie The Miracle Worker from 1962. Jake's Glass Blowing Shop was filmed in Fayette County, Georgia, at an old mill called Stars Mill. The exterior was repainted and the porch was rebuilt for the movie. The bridges were later washed away in a flood. In real life, the house Melanie pretends is her home is at Berry College in Mount Berry, Georgia. The house, Oak Hill, is a Georgia historic landmark. It was the original home of Martha Berry, the college founder. The downtown scenes for the movie were filmed in Crawfordville with a population of 572. Seat of, hopefully I'm pronouncing this right, Tolliver County, the least populated county in Georgia. Two dogs mentioned in the movie, Bear and Bryant, are are references to legendary University of Alabama head football coach Paul Bear Bryant. Many Barry College students played extras as attendees in the wedding scene. No short blondes were cast. When Melanie announces her engagement, Earl asks Pearl to pull bologna cake out of the freezer. The cake, a concoction of bologna, cream cheese, and horseradish, was served to a scriptwriter by his fiancée, who was from Indiana. The director, Andy Tennant, the, uh, says when Melanie reveals to her parents that she's engaged, her dad tells her mom to fetch the leftover bologna cake, something Tennant said his writing partner's wife makes. It's quite a delicacy, he said. If you've never tried it, don't. It's bologna with cream cheese between each layer of bologna. Then you top it off with angel food cake and you put olives on it. It's absolutely disgusting. It's it does sound disgusting. It sounds awful. It sounds so gross. I would that's I would not like it. During the filming at Stars Mill in Fayette County, Georgia, the Stars Mill High School marching band was asked not to practice outdoors due to the sound carrying all the way to the mill. 
Melanie's engagement ring is a relatively new at the time, Tiffany branded Lucida or Lucida diamond and mounting. Shortly before he proposes to her, Andrew asks Melanie if she's made up her mind about spending Christmas in Ireland with her, to which she replies, that's four months away. This would place the events of this film in mid to late August. However, many of the characters in the film are seen wearing jackets and long sleeves, and many of the trees have no leaves. This is inaccurate due to the Alabama setting. At the last second, Reese Witherspoon refuses to sign the divorce papers and calls off her wedding. Before they released the film, the studio screened it for focus groups. Andy Tennant said several male audience members wondered by why Patrick Dempsey didn't get the girl when he didn't do anything wrong. Andy Tennant said guys were more upset by it than women. <laughs> the crew had to transport a water tower to the town in which they shot the film because it didn't have one. Andy Tennant, the director, said, You always think of water towers as probably the most recognized icon of a small town in America. And this small town didn't have one, so we had to bring one in. Why wouldn't you just go to another town and film <laughs> that there, their water tower? That's a very good question. <laughs> Let's bring a whole one over here. <laughs> and make it. Yeah. Producer Stokely Chaffin developed the film's concept and brought it to the screenwriter, C.J. Cox, to write. Chaffin, now vice, uh, senior vice president of productions at New Line Cinema, was raised in Tuscaloosa, Alabama. Like Reese Witherspoon's character, she changed her name after she left the South. Stokely's her middle name. And during her childhood, uh, friends and family called her by her first name, Caroline. Chaffin insisted that Cox visit Alabama before writing the screenplay. Melanie orders a martini at the roadhouse, and later you see her eat the olives. Andy Tennant said Witherspoon hated olives so much that she needed a spit, bike, spit bucket for whenever they ca called cut. He decided to torture her by shooting 15 takes to force her to eat as many olives as possible, rolling longer and longer each take. When Patrick Dempsey pays a visit to Reese Witherspoon's home, her mom says, if I'd known we'd, had, we'd have company, I would have put on the dog. Tennant explains the phrase was created during the 1800s. It means to splurge. It became fashionable for people to walk a certain type of fancy dog in the streets, calling it putting on the dog. I was wondering that. Candace Bergen's character references that the wedding should be at the plaza in June. It also implied that she plans quite a bit of the wedding in Alabama. She later has a role in the movie Bride Wards as a wedding planner, and the main characters are planning their weddings at the plaza in June. In Barsat, a Bollywood remake of this movie, the gender rules are reversed. Priyanka Chopra Jonas plays Jake Perry's part. During the end credits, it's revealed that Andrew is engaged to a woman named Erin Vanderbilt. Originally, this character appeared in a few scenes in the movie. She worked for Melanie and had a secret crush on Andrew. During test screenings, certain viewers mistakenly assumed that Andrew and Erin were having an affair, and in order to avoid confusion, it was decided that her scenes would be deleted. Though the word is never said, it is heavily suggested that Melanie had a miscarriage uh, at 18 years old when she was pregnant with Jake's baby after high school. When Melanie rolls over and sees that Jake signed the divorce papers, it is open to a page where Melanie's signature is still needed. This is the same page that the lawyer, after interrupting the wedding, says Melanie didn't sign. Honorable mentions. Okay, my honorable mention is the supporting cast. I mean, Candace Bergen, I mean, there was a um, Dakota Fanning was in it, Gene Smart, Mel Melanie Linsky. Ethan Embry, like they're big, they're, they've done, they've gone on to do some big stuff, all of them. And I like, I don't know why, but at the end of the movie, I was like, oh, I want to know more about them. You know, I want to know 
more of their lives or are they still friends with them now? Like, I just wanted to know. I think they did a really good job. I would like to be honorably mention um, that this is maybe Patrick Dempsey's best romantic comedy role. And it's close, though, because, mm. I mean, I would put this one. Like I said, like Sweet Home Alabama is a good movie. I enjoyed myself with this. I'd put it ahead of Can't Buy Me Love. Yes, absolutely. Ahead of Can't Buy Me Love. Ahead of <laughs> yes. Maid of Honor for sure. Really? You think? Maybe yeah. ahead of Valentine's Day. Oh, I have, I've only seen Valentine's Day once and it was a long time ago. I would say the discussion point is, is this better than Enchanted in Ooh. 07? Enchanted, a little bit more of like a Disney rom-com, like a live yeah, action Disney. They're, they're too different to compare, they're, but... Right, they're the, too different. The difference, Enchanted, he's the lead. This one, I would say he's like the semi-lead, he's not really. the other guy. Yeah. And I also appreciate in your quick facts, you said that male audiences were upset because Patrick Dempsey doesn't get the girl. I agree because he was... I do. He did nothing wrong. I do like when you have a romantic comedy that doesn't pit one of the love interests as the immediate yes. villain. Yeah. You know, he's not a bad guy. He maybe he's making decisions for certain reasons, but you're never like, oh, screw that guy. You're yep. like, ah, maybe he's just not right for her. And that's life. And I appreciate that because life's like that. Sometimes there are two good options and one person's your soulmate and the other person's just a really great person. Yeah, and, and you that's wish okay. them well. And, and yeah, yeah. Sorry yeah. this didn't work out. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Exactly. I, I agree. What should have been? I think Jake is super um, successful and he's done really well for himself over the last seven years trying to prove himself. But in my mind, when I'm watching the movie and I see this like float pa- plane of like Moe's fishing, I actually thought that he had done this like outdoorsy um, wilderness business. I and was then, going to say the exact same thing. Yeah. And when it came to it and it was a glass blowing, I was like, oh, we totally went a different direction, but not really because I mean, it's showcased in the very beginning of the movie where the lightning makes um, glass using the sand and it makes sense that that's the way that they went that he'd have this glass blowing business with a restaurant and, you know, a, a very successful type of business selling glasses all around Alabama and whatnot. And then in New York. But I did think that because of the way the movie showcased this float plane all the time with Moe's fishing on it, yeah. they never explained who what Mo was. They never explained what Moe's fishing was. So I just assumed that at the end of the movie, we'd see this, like he'd bring her via float plane to this wilderness park that he created with like these cabins where he brings people up and that's what he does and whatever no totally went a different direction it just caught me off guard and I was like oh yeah he has a glass business like did not see that coming with Moe's fishing totally <laughs> like the immediate thing I thought of and actually there's a business here where we live Sarah um, it's like a fly-in fishing company they've got a few planes exactly like the one in yeah. this movie and they fly people up to these little cabins in like a secluded lake mm-hmm. literally nobody else is on there except you <laughs> in this cabin and it's like this beautiful experience i thought that's where we were going with it i'm like oh it's like a flying fishing thing no No, it's it's glass blowing which i think is cool it is totally totally my only what should have been and i actually had a different you know what i'll do both because i had a different one walking in here and then it wasn't until we started talking about the film that i realized we should have had a narrator explain the whole lightning strikes the same place twice because yeah. clearly that was the analogy at the beginning of the movie. The kids mm. like lightning strikes. Jake says, oh, it doesn't strike the same spot twice. And then it does. And I think that's an analogy for the relationship. They got married. 
It was lightning striking once, didn't work out, and now they're getting remarried at the end of the movie. I love Again, that. I wish a narrator would have explained yeah, it because that went over my head, baby. Well, yeah, and I think, too, like a lot of people don't know what lightning makes when it strikes sand because, like, it's kind of like Melanie tries to explain that to her friends. Oh, yeah, that's what happens when lightning strikes sand. Again, I think that could have been like a little tidbit than the narrator kind of issues at the very sometimes beginning. Sometimes lightning strikes twice. Just explain it to me yeah. a little bit. I, I, I'm very much one who doesn't like to be over explained in a movie, but that one I'm like, could you, <laughs> could you give it to me a little bit clearer? The only other, what should have been I had was, do we need some more like Southern romantic comedies? Because when I think of them, there are a few hope floats, sweet home, Alabama. There are some that are like set in the South, but they don't really explain it. Like I think dear John is set in the South. We did love hard not long ago. That was South. I think that was like Colorado, <laughs> which I don't even know if that counts. I think like this was kind of a breath of fresh. Colorado's the West. It's like the Midwest. Yeah. yeah. Not South at all. Yeah, no. <laughs> no. <laughs> I think we just need more in. I know. agree. I think, I think they're very, like they're very fun to watch. And I think um, it's, it's very family oriented and I really like that aspect and they don't do a lot of um, rom-coms down there. I think that's, that'd be really cool. Overall rewatchability. Okay. So my rewatchability is chemistry Four, storyline Four, thirst factor Four, lots of fours, <laughs> imagination 4.2 soundtrack Four, cheese 3.5 for an overall score of 3.95 out of four okay. uh, out of five. Sorry. Wow. That's not bad. Yeah. That's pretty good. That's Yeah. Um, that's exactly where I thought you would have it. Like on the cusp or at a four is mm-hmm. kind of where I thought you'd go. Cause I think that's what, where a lot of people feel it belongs. I've got it just, just a tiny, tiny bit lower. Uh, chemistry. I've got a 4.1 storyline, a 3.75 thirst factor, a 3.8. Who's more gorgeous by the way, Josh Lucas or Patrick Dempsey. Ooh, that's a really good question. I think Patrick Dempsey, but I really like Josh Lucas's eyes. Oh, okay. And he is really good looking. Like that's a hard one. They're both very different looks. Mm. Um, imagination of 3.45. This was, I, I had a good story, but a little bit, a slightly predictable at a few moments. Um, soundtrack, a three. We played Sweet Home Alabama minimum two times in this. Yeah, I know. I, I was expecting it, and I liked it. Which is great. Like, you name in the film, Sweet Home Alabama, I'm expecting it at least once, twice. But then, aside from that, there's not really anything that jumps out to me like, oh, that was in this movie. Oh, you know well, what they, I mean? They played, yeah, well, they played a few things. I can't remember them now at the top of my head, but... Memorable. Yeah. Um, And cheese. This has got a good cheese for me. 3.8. So I've got an overall score of 3.65 out of 5, which is very, very good. This is a great watch. And this has been the Rom-Com Rewind of Sweet Home, Alabama. Thanks for listening.